0: Welcome to My Soul Dog Podcast with me, your host, Stephanie Millis. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I don't like to cook, but I do love my dogs. So sit right there while we discuss all things dog training, hydrotherapy, tips, tricks, and everything in between. Welcome to episode number two where we're going to be talking about what exactly is a soul dog? Because I named this podcast My Soul Dog and I thought let's do a little bit of background information so when I go off into stories later as this podcast matures that you won't be wondering what the heck is she talking about? Who is Bam anyway? Well Bam is is and was and will forever be my soul dog. So what is a soul dog? And you know, I got to thinking about this because I called Bam my soul dog and I just started calling him that. It just felt right. And he was first, let me tell you who he was. How about we do that first? Bam was a white boxer. I had adopted him out of a rescue, and I was actually his foster home. He was my first foster failure ever. I had fostered many, many rescue dogs over the years, many, 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 and I never kept a single one, but there was something about this boy that I just wanted him. I wanted to keep him. I did not want to get him adopted. But it it didn't start out that way. I tried to get him adopted and nobody was interested in him. And I feel like no one was interested in him because his background history was that he had flunked out of a fighting ring. That's right. He flunked. He was no good at it because he was so sweet. Oh, he was such a sweet little muffin. Um, he was this gentleman's dog, and he tried to get him to fight. And when he realized, when the gentleman realized that he was not going to be a good fighter, he gave him to his mom and dad to hang on to. And his mom and dad were terrified of him. They would, um, he was kept in the backyard, and Boxers are not exactly outdoor dogs. We're not talking a Malinois or a Pyrenees or or animals that are meant to be outside and can live outside. Not that I'm recommending that, but they can be in lower temperatures and some of them actually prefer it, but not a boxer. They are single-coated and that little boy, you could see his freckles. He did not have a thick coat whatsoever, but he was kept outside. They were terrified of him and they would take even his food, and they'd open the door just a crack, and they'd throw it out into the yard so he could eat, but they were not going to interact with him. And he they called the rescue and wanted to relinquish him to rescue, and they met with the transporter who was going to pick him up and deliver him to a foster home, and they rolled up in a beat-up truck that was spray-painted gray, and on top of the gray was spray-painted Dog's Rule, and they put a Z in there. Um, Dog's Rule. <laughs> and so so, he, bam, comes bouncing out of the truck, and he's just all over the place with excitement, but he is not aggressive towards... Um, the transporter, and there was a huge mass on his side. It was like a softball-sized mass on his side, and so he had come into rescue, but they didn't have any placement for him, and so he ended up going to this other rescue just to hang out, and he was in their barn, and he had like a pony blanket on him, and I happened to move back home to Washington State, and at that time, I realized I wanted to Uh, basically volunteer for a boxer rescue because it's my favorite breed. And so I learned that there were some boxer rescues that I could do this. So I signed up and I'm like, hey, I want to be a part of this. And they're like, well, super, we got a dog for you. And he was the first one that I did for this rescue. And I met him and I got to say it was before... I mean, I was a dog trainer, but I was fairly new, and and with the background of him being from a fighting ring, I was unsure about what he was going to be like, but he was just a boxer. He was just full of energy and bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. He was about four years old, four to five years old by that time, and so... I was able to bring him home, and then he was fine with all of my dogs. He never got into any scuffle. He loved everybody. Um, he loved every human. He loved every dog. And so we, the mass, was removed from his side, and he w- got a complete, like, uh, solid bill of health. I mean, absolutely clear. Everything was good, and. I started taking photos of him and putting him up to get him adopted and taking videos and don't you want him to be your home you know in your home and are you his forever family and you know all those good things? And it was crickets. There was absolutely no interest. And I'm like, he's good with dogs, and here's a video of him, he's good with people, here's a video of him. Nothing. Crickets. And actually his name was BAMF. B-A-M-F. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's like BAMF in Canada. And I'm like, no, it was for badass mother f -f -er." (laughs) And we're like, oh my gosh, we cannot keep this name in rescue. So it was shortened down to BAM. So that's the name he came with. We just took the F off and said his name is BAM. And because I only knew him as BAM and I wasn't keeping him at that time, that It just stuck. So I never, I didn't name him Bam. He came with that. But nobody wanted him. It was just, it was just crickets. And I had him for quite some time. Well, what ended up happening is my ex-husband came home one day. He was going through some kind of midlife crisis, I think. And he came home one day and we, he was like, I really want to get this white Subaru. And we had just a couple dogs. Yeah, just a couple Mm -hmm. dogs in the house in our teeny tiny house. And so I was like, well, he didn't want any more dogs. He was not, I mean, one dog would have been fine where I'm like, all the dogs are fine. I want all the dogs. So we disagreed quite a bit about how many dogs we should have. And so I said, we had this Honda Accord that was totally paid off, and there was, it was in really great condition, and I'm like, there's no reason for you to go get this white Subaru when we already have this car that's paid off, and he's like, I really want it. Well, at that time, I really wanted to keep BAM, but my ex-husband did not, and I said, well, I'll make you a deal. If I can keep the white dog, you can get the white car. And that's exactly what happened. We're like, deal, shook on it. And then he went and got the white car. I signed the paperwork for the white dog. And the rest is history. And the rescue was a little bit hesitant to adopt him to me because he was my first foster with them. And usually the rule in rescues is that they don't let your first foster Be the one that you adopt because you need to be able to practice not adopting all the dogs that you foster. You need to let them go. But I had done that so many times and I begged and I pleaded. I'm like, no, I'm not that person. I've never foster failed ever. So, th- he would be my first one, but I know he's my first foster with your organization. But they pretty much just went fine because he's not getting adopted anyway. There's no interest in him and hasn't been for months and months. So, why not? Just take him and he'll be out of our hair. And I'm like, fine by me because I freaking love this dog. So, Bam was able to stay. The Honda Accord left. The white Subaru rolled up and... Uh, the rest is history. Now, then I got rid of the husband and the white Subaru, but I kept the white dog. So I think that that is a one, it was a wonderful trade. I traded up for sure. Uh, So Bam and I, it was just us. And during that time, it was really difficult, I have to say, going through my divorce. It was one of the hardest things that I've done. And uh, just having, I don't know, I just Bam was just there I mean he was just I had other dogs but it was indescribable like what I felt for him it was just a feeling it wasn't I didn't pick him to be my soul dog I didn't make him into it it just was it was just this feeling and and He was just my main man for some reason. And that doesn't mean that I didn't love my other dogs that I had before him. And he wasn't just the newest flavor. But even over time, it was just something about him. It was just something about him that made him extremely special. And so over time, you know, he, as he got older, he started to decline. Um, It was about eight years of age that he succumb to DM, which is degenerative myelopathy. And what that is, is very much like, it equates MS in people. Uh, So he would lose his back and he was fully cognitively there. He was fully functional, but his body was giving out. And we can talk more about DM later. But I got him A wheelchair, and it was so much so. I mean, there was so much close care with him because he depended on me to take him out to go potty. He couldn't move. He depended on me carrying him and loading him up in his wheelchair. When I went over to the other side of the state, I wanted. I was getting hydrotherapy trained. And because I wanted to build him a pool because I knew that that would bring him comfort and warmth because he couldn't move his limbs on land. But while before he lost all mobility, he was able to move his limbs in the water. So I was going to get hydrotherapy certified because I was not thrilled with the hydrotherapy services in my town. And so when I went over to go do that, I couldn't leave him at home. I I just couldn't there was something about it where I'm like no he has to come with me I I cannot leave him and so I learned how to drive an RV that was so freaking scary (laughs) it was so scary but I thought I'll live in the RV I'll drive that over because Bam can stay in it he you know if He's incontinent, so any messes, I can control that. I'm not bothering anybody by staying in their house. And so I learned how to drive this RV, and I was able to take him and a couple of the dogs with me. And so he was just my right-hand man. I just couldn't go anywhere without him. I loved him so, so much. And we even did things like I got a backpack that I could put him in and I we could go for walks. I could carry him. I got a stroller, I could run with him. I just put him in the stroller and we'd go. He was so happy and he never complained. And again, he depended on me so much. So I think some of that deep connection came with how much he depended on me um, to give him quality of life. And so it was this, you know, and it was funny because I, I just really loved him so much that Warren would even joke about, you know, it's the hierarchy in the house, it was Bam, then it was him. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, there's probably some truth to that. Bam was everything, you know? It's like you walk in the house and I just went right to him. Like, I have been gone for just a little bit, but I would go right to him and then I'd go kiss Warren. It was just, I don't know, there was just something about this kid that I just couldn't get enough of and um, I would do anything for I would do anything for him. And and like I said, I built out this whole entire pool. Um, I got trained in hydrotherapy, and that was for him. I spent a year building this freaking pool and the deck and all the things included and learning how to do that. And it was all for him. There was nothing I wouldn't do. But also, it's just, you know, there's just some connection that you have with them. And people, you know again, I had other dogs and I did love them. It didn't mean that I didn't, but there was just something about this particular dog that we just had a connection. We had an unspoken language. He knew my feelings. I I felt like he did. Um, whether he did or not, I don't know. Um, And I was really, I mean, I was unhealthily attached to him. I'll admit it. And I'm not sorry about it. I loved this dog so much. And there was also, there was just so much about wanting to be with him always. And so knowing that he had DM and that he was going to be declining um, and, and expiring, you know, that you know that you're on a clock. Uh, to to get to the end of life, and I had planned, I had planned out the what it was going to be. I had it arranged um, that he was going to be um, put down at my house, and so all of that was arranged because I wanted it to be perfect for him. I wanted it to be perfect, and it was the last gift that I could give him, and so I. Planned it all, and I even arranged for him to be cremated, which is not something that I have done with dogs. I'm not one to keep the remains. Uh, I'm not one to keep a lot of knickknacks. So I thought, oh gosh, this is just going to, you know, after you have so many animals, you have so many of their urns like all over, and my house is so small. Like I have nowhere to put those. So no, a lot of dogs I've never. I've never cremated them. Um, they've been euthanized, and off they go. They stay at the vet, and off they go. I don't even bury them. Uh, so this was different, though, because he was my sole dog. He, I had planned out... Um, the vet to come out to put him down. I had planned out him being cremated and it was also going to be done in water. The cremation was not going to be done by fire, but rather water because they say you can keep 20% more of their body if you do water. And it's a very old practice. And I'm like, absolutely, I need 20% more of him. I can't let any part of him go. Like, I need it. And so I had that arranged and, you know, Putting him down was not the hardest part, to be honest with you. I thought it would be. Um, He was so happy, this boy. He was so content in that moment. He was so snoozy. We had floated in the pool, and Warren made a mistake, and he was so snoozy. We had smudged, and Warren had lit... Um, tobacco, and we're getting all, everything, any negativity out of that space. You you know, I was going to go all woo-woo. I didn't even care. I'm like, my dog deserves everything, because he gave me everything. And so... Once he was um, put down and there was time that I I just spent some time with him, the absolute worst part, um, and the reason why, too, that I had chose for doing cremation was about I couldn't be without him and also, I was like, well, I can't bury him. What if I move? I'd have to dig him up and take him with me. I cannot leave this dog anywhere. I can't give him to the vet to be disposed of. I cannot bury him. I have to have his remains. I have to have them. They can go everywhere with me. It was so weird and new to me. I had never been like this ever. I knew that this dog was different. And I, it just came over me. I couldn't help it. And even Warren knew. He's like, oh, yeah, she's going to be a basket case when that dog leaves. Like, yep, yep, I'm going to be a basket case. And so when the guy came to take him away to go be cremated, we he said, well, do you want me to lift him into the van? And I, I said, no, I'll do it. I want to do it. And he said, well, the dog is different when they're dead They feel different, and they might urinate, and I'm like, dude, this ain't your average dog. I've been carrying this dog for the last couple years. I have to lift him up and put him in his wheelchair. I've been carrying him on my back. I've been carrying this dog. (laughs) I'm like, he's peed on me so many times. Like, this ain't nothing new, but this is my baby, and... I will throat punch you if you try to grab my dog. (laughs) I'm like, this is my boy. I'm like, if I can't do it, I'll have Warren do it. But uh, we are going to be the ones to carry him and place him in the van. And so I lifted him up and I put him in the van and we put a blanket over him. And the worst part, the worst part was not the time that I put him down. And that moment the worst part was when the van drove away. That, it took everything I had not to grab the bumper of that van and go, I changed my mind. I'll just hold him forever. Like, I cannot let him go. I cannot let him. He's by himself now. And he's just driving away. He was being removed from me. And um, so this was done in May of 2022 20, so yeah I'm tearful telling you this because it was so hard that was the hard part and um, so it still makes me tear up he's just not your average kid and I mean I tattooed him on my arm I did his portrait which I absolutely love I'm like I want everything about this dog I I I loved everything. But again, I never intended it for to be this way. I never looked at him and went, oh, I think you're going to be my soul dog. I think, you know, like I'm just going to make you that way. It was not like that. I just thought he was a fun guy and I really liked him. I just liked him. And so I wanted to adopt him because no one else wanted him. That's how it started. It just developed over time. And I think the closeness of me caring for him and training him and he just got me. I was his person. He loved me. I felt it. He relied on me and I felt it. And that's what developed this sense of soul dog. It's just this whole nother level of love that I didn't know existed. I never had a soul dog before. Um... And so, I know a lot of you listening can probably resonate that dog. That you're like, yep, it was that dog. And I don't know if someone says, no, every dog I've had has been a soul dog. I don't know. Okay. Only you know that. I do have a feeling that it's not just love. It's I love all my dogs. This is a whole another level it is a deepness it is a closeness it's a everything came before, it was bam and then everybody else and you know i am i will fully admit i'm like yes he gets everything first everything was about him and then my other dogs were all second absolutely um i will have full disclosure on this podcast me I did love him more than everybody else I did love everybody else but I did love him more (laughs) um no doubt about it I mean yes I had a favorite and it was him I mean there was nothing I wouldn't do for this dog nothing um But it was all not from a selfish point of view either. So even at the time when I knew he was fading, I knew that was a gift I could give him to set up his death to be something special and comfortable. I did not. I planned it that way because it wasn't about me. He was my soul dog. He was who I needed to take care of. It was about him. And I needed to let go and provide that for him. So that is what I did. But it's so my soul dog podcast came from that this love of these dogs out there that are, it's just indescribable. It's a deepness, it's a richness, it's something indescribable. And I feel like that training with them and spending that time with them and growing with them, learning with them, going through life experiences with them. As I talked about my divorce, I mean, I had to get up and let him out to go potty to get through my divorce. It was so hard. And I was really depressed at that time. I needed so much comfort. And I got that from him. Um, You know, he's the one on the bed laying with me. The other dogs were like, We're going to play and toys and rip them up. And we're going to, you know, we're over here, la, 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 having a really good time. And that boy was on the bed with me when it was hard to get up out of bed. And he would just lay there with me, even if the other dogs were playing. It's like he just, it felt like he felt. I don't know what he felt. You know, I don't want to put a lot of my emotions onto him, but it felt to me like he knew what I was feeling or that I needed comfort in that moment. Um, At no point was he a service dog and that I needed to take him everywhere. I'm not talking about that, but he was a sense of comfort, support, joy. Kindness. I look forward to seeing him. He was a place of happy. He was a place of safe. Like if we're together, like all is good. You know, get in this RV and I'm going to learn how to drive it. You and me, kid. Um, We're either going to make it or we're going to die together. I mean, I don't know. Um, You know, we're going to change lanes when I don't have windows to look out of. That was so scary. I had to use my mirrors. (laughs) Ah! So good on you, all you people who are driving with just mirrors. I know it gets easier with time, but boy, to learn that is really scary. So there, we can end on a lighter note than talking about my dead dog but um, I did think it was important if I do reference Bam that you know who I'm talking about Um, if you see my tattoo you know who it is Um, I love talking about this boy um, because he was my everything and um, but you know I think taking some time to just honor your soul dog now. And even if you'd be willing to share who your soul dog was and put a picture, send me a picture, I would love to see that and just open up space uh, for them just to honor them. Uh, Because we have all had one. And if you haven't had one, if you keep getting dogs, I mean, over your lifetime, I feel like you are so lucky if you have one in your lifetime. If you have more than one, you're you're a unicorn. You are so, so lucky. But to have that one in your lifetime, your life is very rich. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope I did not bring you to tears as I'm blubbering on my podcast. But I just want to be open and have a place that if you feel down about your salt dog, this is a safe place for you to be. I have been there, I have done that, I know what it feels like. So, With that, have a great day and I will see you next time. And before you go, I have a little correction to make. I had said Malinois when I meant to say Malamute. Two totally different dogs. Malinois do not have that long-haired coat like the Malamute so I apologize for anyone who went what the heck is she talking about okay now go have a wonderful day